if you're interested in thinking more strategically, and you should be, because it means that you're going to make money easier with less effort and build more passive income, as an example, then you're going to want to watch this week's show. I am interviewing a young entrepreneur who I write, and he works in an industry that, for the most part, you know, you don't have a lot of switched on business people working in that industry. I'll tell you what that industry is once we get into the show. But he has been applying some really good entrepreneurial strategies into that industry with great impact. And he's building a lifestyle and an income out of following his passions. So I'll see you on the inside. Hi, Ryan. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So let's get into it. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to be learning. I'm going to be sitting back and asking you some questions and uh, let's hope we all get a lot from it. Um, do you want to share a little bit about your industry? What niche you work in? Absolutely. So I am a full-time photographer and although photography covers a very broad spectrum of things, I've really narrowed it down to a focus on travel and landscape photography, which sounds like a pretty fun job, uh, but it certainly takes a lot of uh, different and creative thinking to, to try and make it work as a full-time income and a full-time business. Yeah. And how old are you now, Ryan? I'm 24 now. Well, I think I first worked with you, I don't know, 14, 15 or something. Yeah, we started quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Okay, so, I mean, it's amazing for me to, because I, I know where you come from, of uh, know about your past, your background, and uh, I always knew you were going to do really, really well because you have such a mature outlook uh, and you're a smart person. Um, you've grown up in an entrepreneurial family, so you've been around that kind of thinking. Why that niche? Why, why locked into, into travel and landscapes? Why did you choose that one? Travel and landscape photography uh, sort of came from a love of travel. And a while ago, before starting this business, I was in a job that I really didn't like. And I knew that it wasn't for me. So I, I knew I wanted to get out of that, but I didn't really know what I wanted to go into. But while I was there, I actually picked up my first camera and just playing around with it as a hobby, uh, just getting used to you know, playing with the camera, seeing, seeing the world from a different perspective. Uh, when I decided to leave that job, I, I'd already got a small foothold in the market, um, but it was still sort of a very uh, broad range of work that I was doing. So choosing that travel side was kind of a natural aspect. And what really set it in for me was uh, playing with the camera. And then once I finished the job that I was at, I went on a holiday, went uh, with a couple of people and took the camera along. From there, I was, I was hooked. It was in my blood pretty much and just flowing through. Uh, I knew that I, I wanted to really focus on that area. I remember the early days when you first started doing photography and I remember seeing some of your early photos and thinking, well, you do have a gift there. But it's a big thing to go into 
I mean, you hadn't been involved with photography for too long and here you are setting up a business. Now, for, for most people, the concept of setting up a, a, a business in the creative pursuit is scary. Were you scared to start with? Because typically it's a, it can be a hard place to make money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was petrified, <laughs> especially being young. Um, it's a scary thing to go in and and not having a massive amount of business experience of my own uh, behind me. Like I had mom and dad and parents and that sort of side uh, to help guide me along. But it was really, it was really my sort of lack of inexperience and a bit of insecurity around it that um, going into it, I thought, you know, I, I need to photograph everything to make this, you know, make this business work. And, um, and actually by doing that, it sort of lost the love a little bit. Um, and yeah, in a creative industry, if you lose the love of it, then you basically lose the business. It, it really does make it harder. Yeah. You know, I've worked a, a lot with what we call practitioners and this is, you're, you're, you're in a practitioner model, not that we call you a practitioner, but I've worked with people that when we're practitioner models are people that are, you know, they're trained in a skill set and uh, like an osteopath is an example. Yeah. Uh, they're a practitioner business, even a, a lawyer is a practitioner business and they get involved at the start because they love the subject and they're good at the subject. And what I've observed happens often is because uh, once they start getting into business and they're dealing with business, uh, they can get grilled, meaning it's super challenging and they lose their love for, the, for their passion, which is kind of what you're, you're just talking about. Absolutely. But, but, but real, real important question, I reckon, is, you know, you, as you quite rightly just said, you were a bit nervous and unsure about going into photography business because it's like, it is a scary place to make money, uh, but you still did it. Why? I did it because I knew that I wanted to have my own business. Uh, I've known that for a long time. I, ever since I was a kid, uh, I was on yeah, I knew you'd be. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> um, one of my earliest memories of, of making money myself was uh, not getting a job at McDonald's or anything. It was, uh, I was, uh, primarily raised in England through my primary years. And uh, every year in springtime around around the street that we lived in, there were all these blackberry bushes. So one one year I started off and it would, you know, the, the bloom would come and the fruit would, would be on the bushes. So I'd walk along the bush and just pick all the, black, all the blackberries off it, uh, bring them home, wash them, put them in a little Ziploc bag, go and knock on every door and sell them for 50p for a bag. And then the next year I realized that uh, there were even more blackberries growing. So I ended up enlisting the help of all my friends and ended up paying them a percentage of what, what we were actually selling. So that's probably my earliest memory. And since then it's just spurred that growth of, I want to be my own person. Uh, I want to be independent of a boss and, and I don't really like having a boss. So that's kind of a helpful thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Moving forward then, I love that story, by the way. I mean, isn't that incredible? That's a great story. It's like you're born to be an entrepreneur. And I remember when you were younger, I always knew that you were going to be in your own business. Um, You know, and you were talking before about not having business experience other than being around your family, but even being around your family and especially your mum, you, what, what, what did you learn? Um, as, as being around such a, a super entrepreneur as your mum, like what was your, you would have learned things to do and not do, by the way. Yeah. So I saw not to push yourself so far that you um, burn out. <laughs> out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like every now and then, and that memory still sticks in my head to, to know, okay, look, I'm pushing myself a bit far here. I need to just stop, relax, watch a movie, go to the beach go to, you know, go to the gym, exercise, whatever it is, and just stop and, and take a bit of time for myself as well. Uh, which is one very important lesson that that's really helped, uh, create and spur my business moving forward to know where my limits are. Great. By the way, Ryan, have you observed that when you take time out that you become a far better business person? Absolutely. Yeah, can you know this? This is really important. I'm always banging on about this to to my clients and anyone that's willing to listen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a particular take on it, obviously, because of um, you know I we've, we've got our logic component, but we we have unconscious powers um, that only get accessed when we rest and relax. And in unconscious powers, my unconscious often solves problems for me. And it won't solve those problems for me if I'm just working all the time in, in what we call hard think. For, from your perspective, what are the benefits as a business owner for, for taking time out and not just being hard driven day in, day out? Well, being in such a creative industry, if you don't take time out and step away and just be able to let, let the business go for an hour or a day or whatever it might be or a weekend and you just you know, go have fun, travel somewhere, go for a weekend away, you lose that creative spark and you can lose it pretty quickly. Um, like I know that I've, I have, when I started out, not really given myself that time. And once I started to really pick that up and, and move it forward, then I've noticed that it, there's actually an increase in the quality and the final delivery of the images I produce. Yeah, there's a definite um, correlation between output and time off. Um, my own experience is, you know, uh, I uh, because things are different now because of the internet, but many years ago I was on planes all the time and uh, obviously people run events on weekends. So I'd always be at these big speaker conferences and I'd work Monday to Friday and I would then be on planes presenting all weekend and coming back and you know my mind was going oh i'll take two two days off during the week but of course all my team and staff (laughs) were back on during the week and customers and what have you so i'd sort of get caught up in this whole seven day a week thing and it was really obvious to me like really quickly that you just lose what i call is you kind of like what you said you just lose this creative freshness the creative freshness, when you take time out, creative freshness happens. So as entrepreneurs, our brains start working better. And there's a whole bunch of science around this now. So we make better decisions and better choices, but we keep our inspiration levels high. But when you work seven days a week, you, 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 there's no way you're keeping inspiration level high, levels high. And so there's no joy brought into the work. Okay. Um, the, 
because a lot of business people are watching this, is a, I think we're going to take this in a certain tangent. I'm really excited by this. So I'm actually not going to go to, like I know that you've put into place some pretty incredible strategies in your business and you've been working with a business coach yep. who's applied quality strategies that are used in other industries really, really well. But for the most part, in your industry, you don't see a lot of good business practice, do you? No, definitely not. And so, I, know I didn't have a, a lot of good business practices when I started out either. I was very much in that routine. Right. So can you name sort of what some of those practices are that don't work very well? Um, you know, like for, for me, I'm going to name the first one. You potentially, it's really hard. Most most photographers, you know, they, they get a job here, they do a job and they're going to work really hard to get the next job. There's, there's, there's little continuity as an example. Would that be one of the things that you would see in your industry? That's pretty well number one. And that's very much a pattern that I was stuck in. Um, and starting out, I really, really noticed that ebb and flow. Uh, so... Uh, going out, marketing, pushing yourself, meeting new clients, networking events, all that kind of stuff. You'd go in there, you might get a couple of photo jobs, a couple of shoots for the next week or so, next two weeks, three weeks, whatever it might be. So you'd put all your time into going out, marketing, pushing yourself, and then you'd get those jobs and you'd just stop doing that. So you'd get, you'd really feel that ebb and flow of um, increased and decreased cash flow. Uh, with you know obviously you've got your expenses and everything coming out and they they don't stop and there's a real lack of actually finding a way to create consistent income okay what i'm going to do because this is just such important information so those of you watching and listening to this, this is really important information that ryan is sharing so Typically what I do, what I'm doing with my business owners is, is I'm working with businesses that have, you know, quite a few staff and they're operationally all together and I'm tweaking them to develop more income. That's the first thing. And secondly, I'm tweaking the business through the business owner to get that business so it runs without the business owner. So there's more profit and the business owner doesn't have to, to work as much, um, which is an ideal outcome from my perspective because I don't like to work all the time either. I like passive income. So one of the things that I'll see with early stage business owners is that they've built themselves into their business. And this can be larger businesses as well, Ryan, but they've built themselves into the business and that they are uh, involved, as an example, in delivery of the service that they sell, right? So this will come back to you. In the delivery of the service they sell. And they have what you just talked about. They'll always have cash, uh, cash flow issues and challenges because this is what happens. The business owner is sort of out there marketing and then they get a whole lot of clients because the business owner himself or herself is involved with delivery. All of a sudden they're now have, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week just delivering the service and the marketing stops, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, then, you know, you know that feeling? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Right. Well, this is what we're talking about. So what I'm doing with my clients, which you, you I almost guarantee you'll be doing, you're probably doing it a different way to, to what I get my clients to do, but we'll find out that in a second, is first of all, I'm automating their marketing processes, right? automating them so that the, the marketing happens 24 hours. It, it, it's running independently uh, of the business owner because if, if, if it requires the business owner to run it and the business owner is uh, the one that's part responsible for, for providing the service, then, of course, once they're providing the service, there's no marketing happens. So you have to separate the marketing from the business owner or even from delivery or anyone that's involved with delivery so it runs all the time. Um, but then what I'm also doing is making sure the business owner gets out of the delivery of the service uh, as much as possible. Um, so from your perspective, knowing that that was the problem, how did you deal with it? So knowing that was my problem, and this is where it really did help um, having a business coach help me as well, is yep. um, we've, we've actually created this service that isn't just a once-off shoot. It's an agreement with in my case, a tourism operator that sets them a consistent number of shoots over a consistent amount of time for a consistent amount of images for a flat budget. So they know what they're paying and I know that I'm getting a recurring income um, and really, uh, really being able to help the client as well as create consistency in my own business. Great, now you can't see me but I just had the biggest smile on my face. Right? I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, so again, and this is for everyone listening. Um, typically, uh, we look at like a key principle. Um, and I'm thinking about a plumber as an example. Uh, you know, how often do, 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 does someone use a plumber? We, I probably use a plumber like once every two years. And so a plumber can have problems unless they approach their business in a certain way. You know, they get a job and they go around to that person's place and they, 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 they fix the job, fix the problem, but then that, they get no more income from that person for another two years, right? So they're out looking for more clients. They're constantly looking for clients. So, and, and the expense and the stress is looking for clients, okay? So if we can get one client to pay us again and again and again and again, then that is optimum. And we, we, we call that continuity income. So it's really important in a business to find out how you can get continuity income. Now, you can hear that's what Ryan's done. So continuity income means that once he gets a client and he can lock that client into, or I'll ask him in a second, but if once he can lock him in, in for whether that's a year, well, that's it. He's guaranteed that income. He's guaranteed that work. Now, again, operationally, what this might mean for him is that he's just working to secure maybe 10 clients. He'll have his number. I'll ask him in a second. Once he's secured those 10 clients, he knows this cash flow is locked in. He's got all the security of that work for the, for, for, for the remaining year. And that gives him peace of mind and he can get about serving the client and not have to worry about marketing, as an example, or where the next client's coming from or where the next dollar's coming from. So, Ryan, what I've just said makes sense to you, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do you lock them into? A year contract? Is that how it works? So, it's individually tailored to each client. Yep. And it's based on their business size and income because 
with obviously the business owners listening now, um, some of you might be starting out on a smaller scale and some sort of well invested and, and growing. So um, I like to sit down and say, you know, what, what do we need to do for you? So what do we need to create and work out a time schedule that works for that? So um, we, we, you know, we can lock in for a year and do quarterly billing kind of thing where they know how much they're going to get charged over that quarter and then they're going to get that bill four times a year for a year while still getting all the, the, all the content they need for their marketing. Really interesting because there's, 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 my mind's going crazy. I actually got a couple of things I want to ask you, but, but just from a strategic perspective, what got me excited again is, is it's really important the niches that you are picking. So, you know, the moment you say a tourist operator, I absolutely get it. So um, you're actually targeting clients that you know will require services ongoingly. So a tourist, tourist operator is going to constantly want to upgrade their brand, what's on their website, changes and seasons, photos for new campaigns and seasons, all, all, the, all those types of things. So... Yeah, did you all take things that that small business or that small tourism operator is really, uh, really looking to need for their marketing because they're the ones that are constantly out there, you know, pushing, uh, pushing brochures, magazine ads, all that kind of stuff, and they're the ones that are, have the really uh, forward-moving businesses in a lot of areas. Yeah, now, I, I, I want to stay on this, but before we get to that, I want to get the shameless um, promotion of you, Ryan. Um, because I'm sorry, I can't help my strategic minds going right. First of all, like niches are so important, and one of one of Ryan's niches would be. Uh, look, I'm not the best at this, but I I, I see my um, some of my clients and my mentors, uh, and they promote off the back of their personality, so they're business people, but they're they're the, their brand, and so one of the guys that I coach. He, he has a photographer follow him everywhere. He's always got new photos and, you know, he, he's really good. It's, it's his face is all over social media and he, he can't use the same photo all the time. So, again, speakers and uh, personality-based brands uh, would have great requirements for your services on an ongoing basis. So they would be a perfect niche. Fashion, right, as well? Yeah, definitely. There's so many opportunities for uh, different sections within the photography industry to be able to uh, use this kind of method and apply it to the business and create a bit more consistency and solidarity for a photographer. So a couple of questions now. Did you deliberately identify the niches that required continuity services? The way that I defined the niches was by actually working out exactly what area of photography I wanted to be in. So really narrowing down to that travel and landscape sector, um, I looked at sort of who would actually need these these kinds of services. And uh, obviously the primary thing that people would think of is tourism boards and councils and all that kind of stuff. And yes, I do work with those sort of operations, but they're on a much larger scale. And they're more of a once every now and then kind of shoot rather than that continuity for continuity. Those uh, councils also have regulations saying that they need X amount of quotes for every job that they're going to do or going to hire somebody for. So that's a real 
um, barrier to actually try and get in on that kind of perspective. Um, whereas the smaller tourism operator, they're the one that are constantly growing. They have, they have smaller budgets, yes, for a once-off shoot, but over time, they have that slightly larger budget to be able to grow into as well. And then if they get better content, their business grows, their business grows, the shoots grow. So for those listening or watching, just observe the strategic thinking in Ryan in regards to who he targets. He knew he wanted continuity income, so he's targeting those clients that can give him continuity income and ignoring those that can't. What difference has continuity income made to your life personally? Uh, it's made a massive difference in being able to actually budget for what my costs are. So living, uh, living food, rent, um, and then being able to use that excess to then reinvest into the business. Uh, so I've, um, one aspect of my business is I also do teaching and, uh, photography training and that sort of stuff with people still within the travel and landscape industry. Um, but it's been able to allow me to invest in equipment and travel transfers and going to visit different places uh, to be able to um, keep expanding myself. Right. <clears throat> I'm going to get into that. I'm smiling again. And just for the audience, you've got to understand that, you know, I've known Ryan for a long time, but I haven't spoken for ages. And I, he took some photos of me <clears throat> up on the Gold Coast and his mother when we were doing a, a workshop a couple of weeks ago. And I just knew I wanted Ryan to come on because I know how he thinks and I could see he'd done some very strategic things with his business, but he's just now displaying. I knew that I, he would have done some more amazing things and he's already presented that to me um, where he's got another stream of income through his niche. Um, <laughs> and so that's really using another principle that uh, I teach my business clients, which is, you'll build a database of clients and through that you'll also build an expertise. Well, how else can you get income from that database? And how else can you get income easily from that expertise? Um, so you've, you've just talked about building a second stream of income there, Ryan, correct? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back to that, but I, I, there's a shameless plug that I, I meant to get to before and haven't gotten to. Ryan, what's your website? So anyone listening, if you uh, have the need for photographic services on a regular basis, you, I can tell you Ryan does absolutely amazing work and you can see it for yourself. Where, where do they go if they want to contact you? Thank you. Uh, my website is ryanfowler.photography, which fits perfectly in with my brand. Um, <laughs> and overall on social medias, it's Ryan Fowler Photography. Right. Okay, well, we'll make sure we put that in any um, show notes as well. The, just, okay, so that continuity income meant that, yes, you're right, continuity income allows you to uh, cash flow plan in a far better manner because you, you, you've got locked in consistency. Why did you go to the second stream of income? What, what was the reason for that? The reason for that is I know that I really enjoy teaching. Mm. So not just 
doing the photography side, but actually sharing that and teaching people and really connecting with others who love the same kind of thing. And I really wanted to just do that for myself. And yes, it's another income stream and there are a variety of income streams through that. Uh, being a reseller for a, a well-known filter brand in Australia um, and now actually being able to sell those in the US as well. Uh, and a couple of other brands of photography equipment, which you know I have that ability to be able to sell. Uh, and then really teaching and engaging people and just seeing seeing them light up and and how happy that same passion that I have can bring a smile to them. Or well, your mum's son. <laughs> your mum's son, anyway. Right, you get me there. Um, the the mum's very much a teacher. Okay, I just want to say something because this is this is kind of interesting. So, so everyone watching and listening to this, you know, the, the, the amazing thing about what Ryan is doing is he has is building his entire income off the back of what he genuinely loves to do. It doesn't get any better than that. And you can probably hear it in his voice. Now, what that will mean is he will always feel fulfilled. You see, when we follow what our purposes are and what our passions are, it means that we are constantly enjoying ourselves. It means that we are constantly involved in what we're here to do, what we love, and you know, like people don't talk enough about this, Ryan, but that's a currency in itself. That, that's, a, that's a win in itself, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It means that you, you know, work and play. It's like when I'm doing this right here, right now. Do you think I'm really working? Right? No, you absolutely no. love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And when I'm doing uh, uh, strategic work with my clients, oh, I just love, but the thing I love most is reading my clients and reading their unconscious patterns. You know, it's like we're not doing that today, but you know what that's like. I'm reading their unconscious patterns. I'm using my gift, the thing I love to do that can help people the most. And I, it's not even work. Uh, it, it's, it's just as good as watching a movie for me or going surfing, right? I just love it. It's not work. So well done. Okay, that, that um, I just, you know, you talk about that teaching process and sort of made the joke about your mum and being your mum's son, but it's way more than to, to it than that because Ryan, you can probably hear, hear makes a really good teacher. He's actually a patient person, a very patient human being. Would you consider yourself patient, Ryan? I think so. Yeah, you're, you're kind of a patient, thoughtful person. You're not... I'll think uh, everything through before. Um, yeah, that that's right. Now... We're going to go to profiles here. I think we did, we, we caught up about three minutes or four minutes before we started the show and we talked about the profile. And I, I, what I, I think you're evaluator motivator. Is that right? Yes, that's me. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to talk about this for a second. So, and for those of you watching or listening and you don't know what your entrepreneurial profile is, just go to my website, kerrymarlin.com, and you'll see underneath the intro video um, a link to. Um, a a five-minute assessment that will tell you what your entrepreneurial profile is. And I'm laughing because I know that my team are going to change my website. So it may not be where I said it is, Um, but it'll be on my website somewhere. It's always prominent. Go to your profile. It really helps you understand your strengths, gifts, and weaknesses. 
And this is really important because you want to delegate anything that sits outside of your strengths and gifts profile to other people who are strong and gifted where you are weak. That's how we build teams out. That's how we um, create happy cultures. That's how we create high performance cultures. And if you're a business owner who wants to have your business running without you, you have to do this, by the way. You have to, to only work in your gifts and strengths and delegate everything out to people and their gifts and strengths. That means that you can start to move out of most of the day-to-day -day, uh, roles in your business other than the strategic ones and other than the ones that you are gifted around. Now, if I just quickly talk to that, you can see how Ryan has thought about what he does in his business. He thinks very clearly about what he's doing in his business. You can hear how strategic he is. And that's because he's taken the time out to think. So what a lot of business owners do, Ryan, is they just do every role in the business and that's because everyone's been programmed to work really hard. They've come up through school systems that, you know, sort of rewards everyone for being compliant, followers, working really, really hard. Um, where what I get all my clients to do is just work in the gifts and strengths, take a lot more time out so that you can be strategic because it's a thinking game that win, wins the entrepreneurial um, game. And you can see from what you're doing, Ryan, you're thinking entrepreneurially. So, is that correct? Do you think that your success has come working with your coach and thinking strategically? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Now, we'll come back to the teaching thing. So Ryan, through his evaluator, the evaluator in him can really plan. The evaluator in him becomes an expert in the fact that, I know Ryan, I remember when he was younger, he'd do this. You, you, you'll, study, uh, you'll study something right through to the nth degree, won't you? You really research things, don't you, Ryan? Yeah, I'll make sure that I know what I'm actually talking about before talking about it. <laughs> yep, and when he's talking about it, he's organised it in a structured way because one of the strengths of the evaluator is they are really the best of all the profiles from an organisation perspective. Like one of my uh, <laughs> ex-partners, uh, I'd go on his Dropbox folders and they were so organised and uh, he was an evaluator. Where if you looked at my Dropbox folders, they're as unorganised as anything because that's certainly not my skill set. I employ people with the evaluator profile to look after details and organisation in my business. Now, coming back to this, so do you teach courses? Have you created courses or what have you done? I have a variety of options in that I do group workshops and I actually ran one last night that sold out in 24 hours when I announced it. Uh, the workshop went very, very well last night and everyone seemed to go home with some fantastic images of the uh, night sky. And then uh, there's private workshops, so one-to-one, -one, uh, being either individual or over a series. And then I've produced a series of e-courses as well. Uh, that are constantly available for sale just through the website. So your evaluator, would, when you do your e-courses, your e-courses be really well structured so the client can learn in a really good manner. That's what an evaluator would do, right? Get that? Yes, it's got a walk-through path of, you know, this is where you start and it Correct. goes through each section. Um, your, explains yeah. it. Mm. your motivator part is the part of you that loves teaching because... Uh, the motivator part of you gets an intrinsic reward from providing value and connecting with people. Okay, makes sense? Yes, it does. Right, great. Um, 
Now, there was the, the really interesting. So was, it, was the workshop that you ran, it was last night, is that correct? Yes, yes. That's was, was that was that online workshop or? No, that was physical. physical. In okay. So again, and this is just for the listeners and I want to go somewhere else. It's probably where we'll, we'll start winding it up, this next phase of questions. But you can really see that, again, Ryan is following some really good key principles, as I said before. He's extrapolating um, more income out of his niche and his expertise and his love. Now, he's got online courses. Those online courses, people are going through those courses and Ryan's getting getting paid for work that he doesn't have to do. He did it, did it once and he gets paid again and again and again. Right, Ryan? Correct? Yeah, that's it. That's right. Find them and, and really sharing an individual skill um, with people to, to be able to learn what they want to learn. And then, of course, you know, I, I filmed the courses maybe three years ago and they're still selling. Great. Um, when he's running workshops, again, there's a, a, a certain amount of scale of leverage in that, meaning that he's got, say, 30 people or 40 people or 20 people, whatever the numbers are paying him for his time and i'm sure when you do one-on-one uh training you're paying they're paying premium prices for that right yes they are so you've got yeah so you've got he's meeting everyone's needs um and providing you know their 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 financial based on what they want and their financial where they're at financially and you've worked out how to capitalize on that that's what i'm getting is that correct Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So you said your workshop sold out in 24 hours. This is where I want to go next. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember years ago, you did have a quite a profound interest in marketing, didn't you? I did, yes. <laughs> yeah. That was certainly a good, uh, a good base to build from too. Do you still have a profound interest in marketing? Uh, yes, if it's going to help achieve what I want to achieve in the business. Okay. Why did your workshop sell out in 24 hours? What was the secret to that? I believe it's a really engaged audience through social media um, and connections, word of mouth. uh, And then of course, previous customers coming back as well. So when you talk about an engaged audience, um, in what way do you engage them? What, what, what does engaging them mean? So through my social media, and I'll, I'll talk more to Instagram here because it is the primary photo sharing platform. Um, I don't have the biggest audience on there. I'm just shy of 3,000 followers, which in, in the social media world isn't huge. Um, but from those 3,000 people, I know that there's a very good portion of them that are really reactive to the photographs I post. And I, I, do, I did make my own strategy around Instagram and what I want to portray from my own brand and my own perspective. Um, but even with the images, they've got to be of a high quality. But what I also like to really inject in there and that's through the captions or Instagram stories, those kinds of things is my own personality. So it creates more of a connection and an engagement to the audience. Uh-huh. 
funny. I was working with a ceramicist this morning. And she's a well-known ceramicist. And she's got this amazing personality, Ryan. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, she grew up in Israel in, in the middle of war. Wow. And she's one of those well, women that through her trauma and everything that she experienced as a child and, you know, here she's in Australia and she, she brought her children, like just amazing stories, you get me, and uh, an amazing person. And I said to her, look, because her pattern's hiding right, on the unconscious level. Yep. By the way, she, to survive her, her childhood, like, gosh, it was amazing working with her. Like this woman's so patient because she, she had to endure suffering with no escape, right? Does this make sense? Yes. Had to endure it. She knew, oh, I'm not getting out of here next week. I'm not getting out of here in two weeks. This could be years before I get out of this horrible situation. So I'm just going to have to bide my time, bite my tongue, be patient, swallow my pride, and just do what I can to survive this environment. Does it make sense? Yes, it does. Oh, just incredible. Um, but in that, what she learned to, to her survival mechanism was to not get noticed, right? Mm-hmm. If I just keep my head down and I, I don't get noticed, um, I'm not going to get hurt. And of course, here I am, I'm trying to shift her business for her. And I'm saying, hey, your, your story, it's you, you, like, it's actually really from a patterning level, she hides. Her ceramics is where she puts herself into and she shows the world her ceramics. But when she's making a ceramics, there's a whole uh, energetic story in, in, in what she's creating. So she gives the gift of her ceramics to the world and that's her way of safely hiding. So I'm telling you, you've got to come out because she's inspiring. The moment she opens her mouth and tells you a story, you're drawn in and she's got a couple of archetypal patterns that are incredibly attractive to people. You know, like Pink the Rock Singer, you know, Pink the Music Singer? Yeah, no. Great yeah. music. Oh, yeah, but her and her personality, she's attractive to, especially to the feminine. Like, here's a woman that speaks her mind. She's not going to take crap from anyone. Like, she's just amazing in that way. So a lot of women look up to her. You know, if you're a people-pleasing person who's been quite mild, and sitting on your personality because you're worried about being rejected and you see pink, how inspiring is she, right? That, that's a bit like this lady. And so, um, you know, I, I, I knew that she'd love Jamie Oliver. And I said, you like Jamie Oliver? And she goes, yeah. And I go, well, have a look at this. You like his food, right? And she goes, yeah. And I said, I like his food. But is that why, you, is that why you're following him? Is that why you love him so much? She said, no. I said, well, why is it? And of course she went, Oh, just because he's so real and he tells his stories and he's not perfect and he's just sharing his personality. And I said, yeah, and also his mission focus has changed the way people think about food in England, mm. right? And, and so this is coming back to if, if you have that kind of personality, you build the brand through your stories and who, who you are and you're sort of saying that. So for, how do you do that? Just putting your interpretation on, on some of your photos what do you do to to use your so in terms of what i actually do it's um so it's not just sharing an image there's always a story with an image and i remember that in uh, the natural history museum in london last year 
I was there and there's this really amazing world globe that an escalator goes through and the walls are just surrounded by these um, like uh, constellation drawings and stuff all along the walls. Um, so going back there, I knew that I wanted to get that photograph, but the Natural History Museum, it's their policy, they won't allow a tripod. Um, with the tripod I have though, one of the legs actually comes off and turns into a monopod. So basically a one-legged kind of thing. And I, I waited around until closing time. They'd shut off the elevator so there were going to be no more people. And I walked up to one of the, uh, one of the people in there and, and asked, I said, look, can I, can I use my tripod? I want to get this photo. And they said, no, sorry. We, you know, it's our policy. We can't let you do that. Excuse me. So I, um, I turn around and say, well, can I just use one leg? Do you have a policy against a monopod? And she said, no. <laughs> so uh, she went and got the manager. The manager went and got his manager, came back, had a chat to them and said, look, I just want to take a photograph. I'm not going to break any of your policies. Can I do this? And everyone ended up getting a fantastic laugh out of it. And I got one of the most fantastic photos that I'm really proud of. <laughs> That's so good. So <laughs> in sharing the image, I shared the entire story. And the engagement that came through was just fantastic. Like it really made people laugh just reading the story and then amazed at the image. So it really created a connection to that photograph. And, and how else? Oh, that's a, I'm going to ask the lady that I, I work with this morning to listen to this. It's just exactly what I told her to do is tell stories as you're doing your ceramics. Yeah, it's just yeah, great. So um, there is one more as well. Um, <laughs> it usually gives people a laugh, but every time I share a whale photo or a lightning photo or anything like that, I'll always try and include as many puns as possible because <laughs> I just absolutely love doing that, and I know that it's worse than dad jokes, but it absolutely makes everyone laugh every time. Like I had a whale of a time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boy, do I have a tale to tell you! I had a real <laughs> whale of a time. Yeah, splashing around. <laughs> and what other uh, techniques do you use like that create engagement? Is there anything other that's just that or it's just really having high quality visuals and, and putting your story to what you've created? So um, they're probably the primary things uh, that, I, that I look at and try and apply. Uh, in terms of what else I do, like I've seen a lot of, uh, Instagrammers with high followings and all that kind of stuff. And they share a photo and they share one line or a quote or something like that. And it just disconnects everyone from it. Uh, so yeah, really, really putting that story in there, good or bad. So not every story in the world is good. And yep. sometimes it's hard to make an image. Yep. So if there is hardships in that photo, then that goes into the, into the caption, into the story. Uh, shooting with friends, you know, showing that it's not just me, that I do have, you know, a network of friends or a community or uh, a variety of people around that, you know, you don't have to go out photographing by yourself. Yeah. You can and, do it. And when you advertise, so you've got the highly engaged audience. So when you advertise your workshop as an example, mm -hmm. and I like what you said, by the way, because, you know, it's really easy to have, uh, you know, one of the mistakes that we made over time, um, actually, there weren't mistakes at the time, but we paid the price for them at a later stage. So for many years, Ryan, we've worked in different niches. So uh, I don't know if you remember, but I work a lot with uh, salon owners yes. and spent years working with salon owners and, and, and helping them build multi-salons or getting their salons working. 
and then, you know, uh, we'd be off and I'd be doing relationship work because, of course, with our personal stuff, we were very good at anything to do with human behaviour. And so I might spend a year because uh, my uh, joint venture partners said, let's go do some relationship training. So on our database, we'd end up with, uh, you know, high-level business people. We've worked lots in investing spaces. We have investors. Um, people that are just interested in personal development, people that are interested in relationships, um, uh, right-wing type, uh, um, uh, hard-nosed finance types from like Macquarie Bank and things like that, and then left-wing hippies uh, who'd been, who were naturopaths because we'd spent years working in, say, some of the, uh, in the wellness area, always, for the most part, doing business work. But you can have uh, high numbers of the wrong people and then that doesn't do anything for you what you're talking about is that you've got smaller numbers but they're highly engaged you know they're there because they love what you do they want to hear from you so so i think there's actually a lesson in that for people to hear and understand okay um the, the other question i have for you when you go to advertise say your workshop do you use any uh, scarcity strategies or techniques or you just put it out there knowing you've got a highly engaged um... so in terms of putting a workshop out there i limit numbers on it yeah uh, like the one i ran last night i limited it to six people yeah um which yes that is a, a scarcity tactic because i do know that there are a lot of people that like to go to those workshops um there's also a limited number that i can run through the milky way season of the year as well yes yes of course, so limited numbers and limited time is yeah. uh, certainly a factor in there. Um, and then really, sh and then sharing what people are actually going to learn so that they know what to expect coming from the workshop, workshop. What, right. they, what they should be going home with. Is it, before we close off, are there any other strategies that you're proud of that you have implemented that have been successful for you that you would like to share with a business audience? Uh, God, that one's got me a little stumped. <laughs> <laughs> go to your motivator side. Don't go to your evaluator side. I'm joking, uh, everybody. If you, when someone's fully an evaluator, you don't ask them spontaneous questions, right? Really important because evaluators like to think, prepare and plan. Um, that's why I made that joke for Ryan. If he goes to his motivator side, he might be able to. But I have uh, evaluated staff. And this is how I approach evaluator staff. I go, okay, this is what I'm, I'm interested in knowing. How do you feel about this? What do you think about that? You don't have to answer me now. You can get back to me. And that works. So they go away and think about it. But if I just ask them on the spot, it's like, oh, oh, oh. I may have had that with Ryan. I don't know. I'll come back to him now. So anything, Ryan, or uh, most of the things that you think are important to share? Yeah, we've covered most of what, uh, what, I've, what I'm sort of doing in the business. Um, the primary thing for me and like I published a, a blog post, which uh, mum's partner actually wrote from a tour that we did. So I was booked to do a new brewery tour on the Tweed coast and photograph that, which was a very fun day at work, uh, trying out three different breweries. So that was nice. Um, but he came along with us and, and wrote a blog post. And uh, when he sent it through, I emailed, or uh, he emailed it to me and I went through, edited it and changed it. And the thing that I found was he's very much a logical person. 
and he won't mind me saying this, um, Perry, you know that. Yeah. Um, he's a very logical person, so it was written in quite a logical way. Um, but in terms of the actual feeling of it, it felt logical. So it really needed that personality injected into it. And I wrote it and published, well, I published it, I should say, on my own website. So I really wanted to have that real personality and emphasis yeah. inside it. So I went through, it took about an hour and, and just edited it. And it got me thinking, you know, people can hear you on the other end of the phone if you've got a smile on your face. Yeah. Um, like this conversation, both of us, I know that we're smiling, although I can't see you. Exactly right. And it's the same in that sort of reciprocal way that if you're writing with a smile, people can feel it. So they feel that emotion coming through and it just injects you as a personality into it for people to engage and connect. That's yeah, what I interesting. Well, you, you know, you've just really sort of grounded out what you were saying with the way you approach Instagram and connection. You can really get it. It's about emotional connection for you and, and creating that relationship through emotional connection. Absolutely. And it's the same thing in video. Like I, I publish, um, publish YouTube videos on occasion and uh, I'm working on a new series at the moment. And um, like, I know what frame of mind I have to be in to make sure that I get the best final result out of the video um, so that it really connects with, with the people that are watching it. So the other thing I'm picking up as you communicate, and this makes sense because you're an evaluator, um, you know, like high production quality is really important for you in anything you do. You're not going to do something just because you, you, you've got to get it out there. You're not, you're not going to rush. You're going to make sure it's quality. Everything's going to be quality with you. Right? Yeah. And that's all designed to fit in and work with my brand. I know that I want to like my brand is Ryan Fowler photography. I want to go out there and if something's going to be seen, I want it to be a high quality product no matter what it is. Yeah. I've got a bit of an obscure question for you in a way. This is, this is something I think about a lot. You talk about, <laughs> what was that? Throw it, yeah, I'm going to throw it. It's, it's, it's probably more of a discussion point rather than a question. It's like, I was talking to my wife about it this, uh, this morning or yesterday. So one of uh, the people that I work with, they're very famous. And yeah, all their... All their social media, the, 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 everything, every, everything that they put out to the internet, into, into the internet world follows this brand brief, right? This brand brief. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know the person. Uh, I really rate them. In fact, they're a good friend of mine. They're, 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 I work very closely with them as well. Um, uh, and one of the things that I can struggle with is uh, I'm just like, if I think something or I believe something, I'll often just chuck it out there. I don't really care about people's reaction. And, and I, uh, a quandary that I'll often have is, oh, look, can I really be bothered um, uh, constantly developing this brand where it just shows one side of me, right? Because I know that once I show other sides of me, it will perplex certain people that know these sides of me. And that, that, that really moves away from brand principles. But I can hear you're following your brand you're really aware of your brand and you keep what you post inside of that brand. Um, is that hard for you to do or is it easy for you to do? Uh, it's quite simple because my brand is a representation of me. Yeah. So if I feel comfortable or happy or motivated or excited to do something, I know that that's going to produce the results that are going to be in line with that. But what about if you have a viewpoint? So, 
as an example, if you have a viewpoint, you, you may only stick certain things up on Instagram or on social media that fit with your brand profile. But what happens if, as an example, you have a hatred of Trump or you have a, 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 a dislike of this and, or, and you love that? Are you going to post those things? You, you may not be that type of person anyway, right? Yeah, no that's pass. not really my personality to... Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Uh, my personality is more that way. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I like I do have my own views on the world and um, I feel like I'm an open-minded person. Um, and, you know, if something, if something annoys me or I get angry at something, that's for me. It's not for me to put out on social media or sort of put out from my own brand perspective. And, yes... Like I've been, I go scuba diving a lot. I've been a scuba diver for nine years or something now. And uh, I've seen a lot of plastic in the ocean, just diving around in turtle sanctuaries, um, seen some of the effects that it has had. So if I share an image of a turtle or um, you know, the marine environment or something like that, um, and you know, if that's part of the experience of creating that image, then I will share that because it is something that I feel strongly about. Um, and it helps the cause of, uh, really taking that step forward in, um, in yes, making a change and hoping that, you know, we can stop plastics flying into the ocean and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it also represents, you know, this is what I feel about. And, you know, if, if you don't feel that way, then so be it. But this is me um, and this is what I want to put out there. By the way, I reckon you're really safe in that because as you were saying, I think that still works with brand alignment. What, why? Well, anyone that's interested in photography, especially when it comes to landscape or tourism, right, which is your niche, yeah. they're interested in the natural environment. They're, they're, they're going to be outraged. That, that actually works with that. Yeah, um, that's, that's still within yeah, that's classic that's environment. Yeah, yeah. I did a podcast a little while ago with a genius friend of mine, and I have a lot of um, religious people that follow me of one faction or another. And in the podcast, you know, just it was about he's actually he is an actual genius. He's a fourteen-year-old genius. I've known him since he was born. Him and I get on really well, so we do this podcast from time to time. And it was about uh, whether God existed, and oh my God. I got so many uh, communications from people that were upset about that, but I do that and I'm kind of happy with that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm always interested when I hear someone that can really stick within a brand mm -hmm. um, and that's easy for you too. I can really see that. I know other people, by the way, um, who are again, friends, famous clients of mine who what they show the world is true for about half of their personality and they hide the rest of their personality from the world because it would just polarize their followers. Right, and this is very important, everyone, because we are all multiplicity characters. We are multi-sided. So when we're looking at branding, what brands are authentic for us, and what are we, you know, it has to be authentic. It has to be real about who you are. Um, but for the most part, you're only showing the world a, a part of self. I just find it interesting, and you can tell my own interest in the subject because it's something I think about in regards to what I do. Look, Brian, I, I really love today, and I reckon, uh, to be honest, I reckon. The listeners and viewers will get a lot from this. Um, yeah, very, just really good what you're doing. Re really, really amazed. And I know you're going to have an amazing future. Yeah, it's been great to be on today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And for those watching and listening, uh,
couple of things. If you want to be on the show, again, go to the website. You can join us. If you want to come in and like, you want to do, get some breakthroughs, you can come in with a student. That means that no one needs to know your name, your business name. No one's seeing you. Obviously, I wasn't working in that way with Ryan today. It was more of an exploratory approach around strategies. Um, but if you want some breakthroughs, you want me to do some work with you, you can stay anonymous and I will go in and see what's happening on an unconscious level that would be impacting your ability to build your business. Um, do the profile, the entrepreneurial profile that I talked about before. You can go to the website. You'll find your strengths and your gifts and your weaknesses, and you'll know what to delegate, what to hold on to, and what to leverage to make money, which is exactly, by the way, what, what Ryan's done. I don't, we didn't talk about that. He's actually leveraged the assets and his personality extremely well. Um, and uh, finally, if you want to do, if you're a business person who wants to build your business so it runs independently of you, so that you have way more free time and a lot more profit, uh, then come and do a breakthrough profit workshop with me. Again, you'll see it on my website. It is a, an amazing hour to an hour, hour and a half experience where we really go into your business models. We go into your personality and really help define a path for you for the future so you can obtain that more free time and uh, way more money. Uh, to me, by the way, this is a gift of my love to people. I've been very fortunate in my life where I've learned how to build businesses that give me lots of free time. And it's meant that I've been able to build an amazing family life and I've been able to indulge my love of surfing, traveling all over the planet while getting paid um, and not having to run my business. And it's all about how you build your team. You've got to sort your own conditioning out, your ways of thinking. Um, but it's my gift and my way of giving back. So come and do what we call the Breakthrough Workshop with me. The information you get from that workshop, we record it. It's actually a blueprint for the next 12 months for you. It's life-changing. Anyway, thanks so much for that, Ryan. And uh, we'll see everybody in the next show. Catch up.